last week we wrapped up our sermon series through um, Jonah in the Old Testament, and it was a wonderful time of encouragement. I hope it was for you as well. Um, this morning I'm, I'm going to teach a sermon called Committed, and what I'm teaching on um, is basically our membership covenant. So if you've not yet joined one of our membership classes, I would love for you to hear from me firsthand what is expected of members at Christ Community Church. And I want you to know this isn't a list of rules that we have created. It's funny. Um, my background, I have an undergrad degree in psychology, and so I have a tendency sometimes to think through different reactions of people based upon personality types, you know, whether it's a Myers-Briggs, uh, I'm an ENFP, or if it's an Enneagram, I'm a three-wing two, or if it's a strengths finder, you know, uh, whatever it is, right? Um, and so it's funny, I, I, I've done um, hundreds of membership interviews now and have heard tons of different feedback from people based on membership covenants and things like that. The ISTJs of the Myers-Briggs, the introvert, you know, thinkers and people who are real, um, you know, critical thinkers and everything else, man, they have the hardest time with a list of rules, as they call the covenant, you know, um, the ENFP is like, I've signed mine already, where do we start? You know, they're ready to go because we, we don't, you know, care about details so much. And so, uh, I mean, it's just really cool to watch. But uh, what I want to talk about today is, is the understanding of church membership as it pertains um, to what the Bible teaches because some people say, well, in our English um, translation of the Bible, we don't have the word membership in the Bible. And so therefore calling it a covenant of membership isn't really a covenant at all. And I'm not here to be argumentative. I'm here to provide clarity on what it looks like and what we expect mutually of being members here at Christ Community Church. I want you to know I am a member of Christ Community Church. And if I wasn't compensated for my work here at Christ Community Church, my wife and I would choose to be members here at Christ Community Church. I want to let you know what a blessing that is because many pastors I know who lead churches would not choose to be members there if they didn't get paid there. And so I'm coming from a position not of being disgruntled, but of joy as a fellow member. God has called, called me to take more responsibility on as an elder, and, and the church compensates me because I spend most of my time towards leading the church and engaging in the church and stuff like that. But I want to come to you as a fellow church member today talking through uh, church membership because the idea that people hear we have is, is a lot of times I hear people say, well, is this like Costco? We're like, you know, we join and then we get benefits and things like that. And I'm, I say, yes, and if you buy now. No, I don't say that. Um, I say this is a different type of covenant. The problem is we allow secular definitions to be applied to sacred things. We allow that to be applied to marriage, and so our covenant keeping in marriage is based upon our happiness rather than on our covenant and hope in God. And the same thing is we allow our commitment to our membership of a church to be based upon our happiness and the benefits we're deriving rather than the understanding of what the Bible teaches. Church membership is something that began in the first church. Did they sign a covenant? No. I don't know how many of those people could actually write. And so the reason why we have a covenant here is just to provide clarity in a culture and time of what the Bible expects from people who are gathered as the church. You are the church. I am the church. We are the church. And so when we enter into covenant, we're not just entering, entering, entering into, say that three times, fast, entering into a, a signed contract with an organization that's other or these other guys that are elders that we don't really know. You know your elders. Angus Fursden Welsh, Scott Patterson, Robert Panter, Rick Bowers, me. And, and I hear a lot of, uh, along the way, a lot of 
kind of us and them mindset of church that a lot of churches structure that way. Yes, we are a nonprofit organization that derive all benefits um, for continuation of ministry through charitable giving. Yes, that's true. We are under the 501c3 right now, the Baptists, and considering filing our own 501c3 as well. We're already considered a nonprofit in the state of Texas. Yes, there are legal organizations and structures because we want to submit to the government. But we are C3. And so I was talking to, to a couple recently, and they're like, oh, yeah, did I sign one of those? And it made me think, like, okay, if we can't remember signing them, we may not remember what's on them. And so, to be fair, until recently, we didn't have a copier for the office. And so I couldn't, like, copy your covenant that you signed and give you a copy and us keep a copy. That's something we were starting to do with a copy machine, because copy machines, thank the Lord for them. Amen? And so, I'm not mad at you. I'm just saying, like, hey, we haven't, we haven't kept that in front of us and what that means. And so, um, I know for me, when I officiate a wedding, um, the covenant that the people are entering into is a reminder to Stephanie and I of the covenant we've made to each other. And, and we want to be covenant-keeping people. Matt Chandler is the president of Acts 29 and also the lead pastor of the Village Church. And he wrote a, a, a white paper on um, biblical um, church membership a while back. And we had this quote in our membership um, booklet. And he said this, If you view church membership as some sort of buffet, then you severely limit the likelihood of your growing into maturity. Growth into godliness can hurt. For instance, as I interact with others in my own local body, my own slothfulness and zeal is exposed, as is my lack of patience, my prayerlessness, and my hesitancy to associate with the lowly. Yet this interaction also gives me the opportunity to be lovingly confronted by brothers and sisters who are in the trenches with me, as well as a safe place to confess and repent. But when church is just a place you attend without ever joining, like an ecclesiological buffet, such a great phrase, ecclesiological buffet, you, you just might consider whether you're always leaving whenever your heart begins to be exposed by the Spirit and the real work is beginning to happen. The idea of church membership isn't some new concept that we want to legally bind you into this weird relationship where it's like a cult. You're not going to drink Kool-Aid and poison and die. We don't hold on to you and track you down if you decide to transition. We just want to care for each other well as the church to know who we are called by God to care for. In Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, people want an Acts 2 church. People fight for an Acts 2 church. The problem is it's impossible to have a complete Acts 2 church because we're not in first century Jerusalem. We're not being persecuted in the same way here in America currently. So there's a lot of dynamics that we can draw from it, though, and then lean into. And so the first commitment that we make on the covenant is, I am a Christian who has been saved from my sins by the grace of Jesus Christ. I have been or intend to be baptized and give testimony of my identification with the body of Christ and obedience to the scriptures. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. This is the first church and how they were gathering. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. How did the church grow? Through salvation. 
You didn't become a part of a church because you want to attend and create some sort and engage covenantally with some sort of social, um, spiritual club. You came in and said, hey, because Christ has saved me, Christ saves us to become the body of Christ, to express ourselves as the bride of Christ in covenant community with each other. And as we see, even in the first church, the way that they grew in numbers was a spiritual engagement before a physical or intellectual engagement with one another. And so when we do our final church membership, we like to hear, or interview, we like to hear, tell us your story about coming to faith. And there have been times where people came to the conclusion during that time that they were not believers. And therefore, to honor and follow the rest of this covenant would be spiritually impossible. And all we, all we, we, we would be doing is committing them to a list of rules that without the power of the Holy Spirit and the guidance of God's Word, in which they trust, it would be impossible. We are a gathering of born-again followers of Jesus Christ. And the way the Bible teaches that this comes to be in Romans 10, 9, and 10, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Earlier in Acts chapter 2, um, you know, Peter, after giving this long sermon, says what they, they, they're cut to the heart, says, what shall we do? He says, repent, change your direction and belief, and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. That is the ushering into, the confession. That's why we ask, do you trust Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior when we're baptizing you? It's because you're confessing publicly your baptism is following in the footsteps of Jesus, who himself was baptized to show entrance into new covenant community. The second thing we ask you to walk through, and which we talk through in our membership class, and this can actually be found at c3.church front slash about, is our beliefs. Number two, I have read the Christ Community Church what we believe statement and can joyfully affirm my agreement with the church's beliefs. And so that talks about the nature of God, the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It talks about the understanding of salvation by faith, uh, grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. It talks about what we believe about the church, what we believe about the return of Christ, what we believe about the Holy Bible, those types of things. We ask you to read through those and to let us know if you're like, man, I don't believe with that. Sometimes there's confusion based upon some of the convictions that the leadership of the church holds as it pertains to salvation, as it pertains to church leadership, but that's covered in number three. Number two is just saying, hey, yes, I'm a Christian, and yes, I, I can abide by the valuation of the beliefs of the church as it pertains to, as we call it, Orthodox Christianity. This is not Greek Orthodox Christianity. This is just means standard Christian belief. And so we ask for that commitment. The reason why we ask for that commitment is so that as we're going through life on mission together for the sake of the gospel, wanting to live out the great commandment of loving God with all that we are and loving our neighbors as we love ourselves and making disciples as we go, we want to be unified in what is empowering us, what is leading us, and the rails by which we get there, which is our set faith beliefs. And it doesn't mean that if you struggle with doubt or you're not sure or you have some ignorance in those things that you can't become a member if you're a new believer, but we would want to encourage you to grow in your understanding of what these beliefs are because we believe they're biblical Christian beliefs. But then there's some distinctives that Christ Community Church holds 
that you may not fully hold to. And that doesn't mean you cannot be a member here at Christ Community Church. Number three says this, I have read and understand the Christ Community Church distinctives. I agree not to be divisive on these issues. I also understand the importance of submission to church leadership and will be diligent to preserve unity and peace. Again, distinctives, for instance, our leadership, our bylaws, we hold a reformed soteriology, which means a Calvinistic soteriology, which basically breaking it down. And I've asked people, are like, do you have a problem with that? When we're going through the membership interview and they're like, I don't know. I don't know if I do or not. And I'm like, okay. They're like, what is it? And we've got books and articles and things and we explain it. Basically what we believe is that ultimately God created mankind in his image, mankind rebelled against God and went his own way. Therefore, sin fully affected mankind. And that if God doesn't intervene by providing ways of salvation in the Old Testament and the New Testament, that mankind on their own, his or her own, cannot be saved unless God in his kindness moves in and saves. And the leadership here, the elders here, we hold to, this is one example of these convictions. You don't have to hold directly to that conviction to be a member here. What you have to say is, I don't know if I fully believe that or I, I don't believe that. I come more from an Arminian perspective. But I love Jesus and I love these people and I believe God's called me to call this place my home. Then fine, you're welcome to be a member here. The problem is, is if you're secretly going to try to bring division amongst the people through convictions like that, that's problematic for obvious biblical reasons. Convictions as it pertains to men elders and men and women deacons. You may not fully buy that or believe in that or whatever. But at the end of the day, you're not going to divide over that. doesn't mean we don't have conversations about it. doesn't mean we don't express concerns to each other about it or lean in together or press in in community as church members. What it does mean, though, is you're not going to be divisive. People have a weird um, reaction to the word submission. right? We're Americans. We don't submit to anybody. And submission ha has been done in the past, has been done poorly. And so people are like, well, it's so funny. There's a personification of the elders as the elders when people are mad or frustrated. It's like, man, I'm really mad at Rick, Angus, Scott, Casey, Brent, whatever, right? John, you know, I I'm not mad at all, the, right? We, we depersonalize it because we're in the South and we're passive aggressive. And we clump it into a collective other. And we dehumanize it. And we say... Oh, the elders. Let me tell you about the men that the Lord has gathered. While we were young, we take very seriously Paul's commission to Timothy to not let people look down on you because of your age, but rather to set an example. And we hold each other accountable. And we pray. And we spend hours upon hours struggling and praying and thinking and dealing with hard, hard issues that feel way beyond us whether we're nearly 40 or 28 or whatever we are, we, we feel beyond it. We seek counsel outside when we need it. And so, so these men that, that, that we're asking you to submit to love the Lord. They're sinners just like you who need to repent, myself included. But they care for the Lord. They care for you. They care for this body. They care for this community. And as they toil through decisions and at times as we make mistakes, we just want to know that we can love you and lead you. Hebrews 13, 7 says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of the way of their life, and imitate their faith. That is a weighty responsibility. And so when we're asking you to say, hey, you know, when, when you're not sure whatever, when it comes to distinctives, when it comes to direction of the church, we want feedback loops, talking to your community group leaders, talking to the elders that are over your community groups, coming to speak to the elders, talking to Pastor John or myself, 
But ultimately, we want to love you and lead you and care for your souls. We want to shepherd the church. Number four. Number four is pivotal. Pivotal? Pivotal. I make up words. Pivotal. And this is a key that I find a lot of times when people become disgruntled. I'm not saying the church doesn't make mistakes. We make plenty. I'm not just saying like the staff and leadership. I'm saying we make plenty. Amen? Has there ever been someone in need in your church that you haven't followed up with and said, checked on them? Right? It's not just me. It's y'all. Y'all too. Has there ever been a time where you've been more greedy with your money and kept it for you rather than helping someone in need? I have. So have y'all. Right? Number four is such a blessing because it makes our faith our own and not just that of the church. We want to have the priesthood of believers meaning that believers have representation of Christ. Number four, I will endeavor to maintain a close relationship with the Lord through regular personal Bible reading, prayer, fellowship, and practice of uh, the other spiritual disciplines. I will commit to using the spiritual gifts God has given me for the building up of the church, both at Christ Community Church and universally. Most of the time when I meet with people who are very upset, burned out, angry, depressed, I ask them about number four. Tell me about your consistent, personal walk with God. Man, this sounds like a tough situation. Have you fasted and prayed for a couple days through this? And usually I get this blank stare of like, where are you coming from, alien man? They look at me like I'm taking crazy pills. I'm like, but we committed to this. It doesn't say I'm going to demand the church gives me more opportunities to work out my sanctification. It says I'm going to take responsibility for my spiritual growth. As a Christian, I'm going to grow up and mature and begin taking ownership. Look, some of you are new Christians. You need to be like baby birds, letting other people chew it up for you and, and put it in your mouth and give you milk. But some of you ought to be maturing to where you're not only studying the Bible, but you're helping other people do that too. And so if we're not walking in the Spirit and growing and cultivating and changing the way we think more towards the way that the Lord calls us to think as His people, then we will grow burned out and disgruntled and short-tempered. We will become upset. And guess who typically gets the brunt of it? The church. I struggle with mild to severe depression, have since I was a child. Started seeing a counselor when I was in third grade. I've struggled with it since I've been a pastor. And I've learned as I've matured through it that, one, I've got to trust my doctors. But then there are things that I can do to begin changing some of those things. One begins with sleep. One begins with diet. One begins with water intake. And it begins with working out. And I, whenever I sense the symptoms of depression coming on, I have a protocol I step into health-wise, sleep-wise, everything, my scripture reading. I go back to Psalm 119. I start slowly going through Psalm 119 each day as a part of my devotion and, and remembering the care of the Lord. I go to Psalm 23 and I, I dig in. And, and when my anxieties pop up, I memorize, again, Philippians 4, 4 through 7, right? Because it's easy. I could say all the time, man, the church depresses me. But I was never called to just the church and to find my worth and value and soul care in other people. That was meant to be found in the Lord. And I even get off base on that at times. 
And so the church's function in that is not to, to just fix me. The, the church's function in that is to come alongside and encourage and pray and hope. Do you realize that not all of us are going to be feeling hot towards God and warm in the heart and on fire at all times? That's why we need each other. That's why I need my friend Rick sometimes saying, hey, God's got this. And why in the moment I want to punch him in the throat because I'm like, I know he's got it, but he's right. He's right. God's got this. I tell Stephanie, I'm so stressed out about blank, 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 blank. And she says to me, when have we not been okay? When have we not been provided for? When have we ever been forsaken or our children left begging for bread? Never. Do you not understand that your sanctification and your time in the Word isn't just for your warm fuzzies, but that you might open your mouth and have eternity come out when people in your family, in your community, in your church, outside the church, need a message of hope. And they're not going to find it in your political rants. I refuse to allow you to be members of C3 for five to ten years and still not have any sort of daily or even weekly rhythm of engaging with God other than coming here and hearing from me. You will be anorexic spiritually and anemic spiritually. You need God, not just a service. Your church needs you to pursue God, and we need you to be honest when you're not. So we can help and come alongside. St. John of the Cross had written this thing years ago about the dark night of the soul. And he argues that the seasons of darkness where you're not feeling God, sensing God, hearing from God, are necessary parts of our spiritual development so that our, so our trust in Christ will increase. And maybe you're in that dark night right now. Let me give you some wisdom that was given to me when I was in seminary. Cry out to God in the darkness. Stay consistent and pursue the disciplines of the Lord and His Word and in sacrificial serving, following in the steps of Christ and invite others into the darkness that they might be a guide towards the light. Because it's in that moment that we're tempted to run away from the Lord, but that's the workshop of the Lord. That's where He's doing His work. That's where he's renewing your mind. That's where he's strengthening your soul. That's where he's reminding you that he is God and you are not. That's where he's reinvigorating in you your passion for the lost who only walk in darkness and have never seen the light. If you're in that place, I encourage you, if you don't have a Right Now Media account, email julie at c3magnolia.org, get a Right Now Media account, and spend some time watching John Piper's When I Don't Desire God. Because I know many people when I counsel marriages and everything else, they're not honoring number four. We're not making this rules. We're saying, hey, here's a rail. Here's a step. Here's a way forward. And if we're not pursuing the Lord on our own, then I would say, do you know the Lord? And if you don't know the Lord, then you probably should talk with someone about that. You can read more about that in Romans 12, 3 through 8. But as of right now, I still have six more points to go through. You buckled up? You okay? I should have told you to pack a lunch. I'm sorry. <laughs> Number five, my journey in Christ will be evident through my regular participation in the corporate worship services and have consistent involvement in a community group. 
Of our membership, 90% are at least identified with a community group. That's fantastic. I'm just asking a rhetorical question for consideration for those who are members. How high of a priority is your weekly attendance to worship gatherings and to your community group? I'm going to pull a verse or two out for you on this one. I'm not a legalist, blah, 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 blah. We're not saying this is what you do to be saved. That's legalism. We're saying because of the grace given to you by God, here then is how you should enjoy God more. And the way God's called us to enjoy him more is through the gathering of the saints and corporate worship exaltation of God and smaller gatherings of edification and Lord willing maturing so that we become missionaries in our community. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promises faithful. Remember I talked about in point four, there's seasons where we don't really hold fast to that, where we doubt, where we fear, or whatever. That's not when you withdraw from God's people. That's when you lean into us. That's when I lean into you all. That's not, a universe, that's not happening all at one time. There are occasions in history called revivals that take place where a higher percentage of people are white hot for God. That is a movement of God brought about by the sovereignty and grace of God, and God's hand won't be moved, but we invite it. This gathering together is a culmination of our, those who are thriving, those who are barely surviving, those, those who are suffering, obey, I'm sorry, um, let, hold fast and confess for hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is not our home. Some of the ways I know that I begin living like this is my home again is when I start dreading my long-term future about certain things that are far out of my control. When I find myself obsessively caring about the future of my daughters. When I worry about what everybody here is thinking about my last sermon, whatever. I, I start realizing I'm, I'm, I'm living very, very much in this world, in this time, in this flesh. I know that I'm more rightly aligned when I say, God, did the word that I brought today, did it honor you? Are people being challenged towards you? Am I being faithful to the calling you've placed? But gathering with you all and receiving feedback and being encouraged and helped along, by the way, uh, uh, along the way by you edifies and strengthens my faith. Have you ever seen someone in a circumstance and say, I don't know how they're handling it that well? I don't know if I could do that? That's consumerism and spectatorship. Let that question say, God, help me to mature to a point where I would respond in that way. The loss of a child, a not good diagnosis, a financial crisis. When God supernaturally considers and consistently carries people through hard situations, let that be sharpening to our faith. I would say on average, our attendance by membership is probably 50% a year. I'm not tracking all of you. There's too many. I used to for a long time. And I can notice when many of you are not here, even new people. I'm a creepo. I remember faces. I, I have this weird thing. I, Stephanie had to tell me to stop it. I would go up to someone like, where did you go to first grade? And I was like, 32. She's like, that's weird. 
I remember faces. I, I'm mindful of you all. It's overwhelming at times, and that's why we have other elders and community group leaders who can care for you and be mindful of you because I'm aware when people are in here. I have the best view in the house to see who's here. And the problem is even committed members and even community group leaders, I would say, unless held more accountable, the attendance is 50%. That means six months out of the year, you're not here. That's 24 weeks to 26 weeks where you're not bringing this mutual encouragement and edification and, and being encouraged. Okay, maybe you're like, no, I only miss 25% of the time. That's three months. That's a sabbatical. We're not gathering to earn our salvation or keep it. We gather because we're saved and we need each other. We need each other. We love God and we love each other. And we're edified. I am so edified when you quiet, sometimes frozen, chosen, actually sing. So it's like, then you go to a football game, you're like, yeah, and you paint your bodies and everything. So Paul, don't walk in next week with the C3 painted on your chest. But this mutual edification of the power and glory of God, the evangelism that takes place through our heartfelt singing and our prayers with each other and for each other, that's evangelistic. It's honoring to God. Number six, I will strive to properly manage the resources God has given me, including my time, body, gifts, and talents, attitudes, finances, and possessions. I will grow up in self-management. This includes regular giving to Christ Community Church that is both sacrificial and cheerful. Pastors have a hard time talking about money or they love it and they ask for a fourth jet. It's pretty a wide spectrum. It's a wide spectrum. I know that money is one of the greatest idols in our context and community and really around the world. Money and then the preceding power that goes along or the sense of power that goes along with it. I want you to understand that our approach to understanding money is this. We want to honor the great commandment of loving God with all that we are and that's why we encourage you to give. We want to love our neighbor as we love ourselves, and that's why the majority of our budget benefits people directly. Not just our staff, although I want to take good care of our staff. I'm not saying just mutually, just for me. I personally, as a member, as a, a person who tithes to the church, want to ensure that our staff is cared for and that our volunteers are provided for with food because they come early in the morning, may not have time to eat because we have a lot of kids. So we get breakfast tacos. And we want to pay rent to this Christian education, this school that does Christian education because we want to encourage Christian education in our community. The money that you give to the church isn't just so that we can be fat and sassy. 10% of everything you give minimum goes towards church planning efforts around the world. 10%. If you get a thousand bucks, a hundred bucks immediately goes to bless people around the globe. In the United States, in England, in Africa, and we're developing relationships in other parts of the globe as well. China. So people get weird about money, don't they? Jesus talked about money more than he talked about hell. And so because of that, I'm going to do a series in August on generosity. Because in my spiritual development, and Stephanie's as well, we were blessed to have several people pour into us and help us think differently about money when we were young. And, and I think that I think there, there's an opportunity for us as a church to be more generous 
because that affects each other. You know, we have paid childcare workers in the nursery and things like that. If we can't afford them, guess who's watching the babies? Some of you are like, well, I'm okay with that. Well, sign up. Right? It's not this organization. We're not like goodwill that you're giving money to and other people do the work. It's saying not just your money, you're going to give your time. You're going to prioritize and budget your time to be a part of building God's kingdom. We're going to use your gifts and be mindful of your talents, what you're good at, whether it's music or, or hospitality or rocking babies or loving on people or being a great introverted number cruncher. We need those. We're going to use your gifts for the kingdom. We need your giving. Our giving has declined substantially since a year ago. Part of that's because families have transitioned, but even the last few months, giving has declined. And there's been several months where we've spent more than we had. Fortunately, we have reserves. But I think just with the collected body of believers that we have here who are covenanted to the church, we should not be in that position. I'm not mad. I just want to be clear. If you remember here, we encourage you that your giving begins with Christ Community Church. If you're not giving at all because you cannot, we want to help you think through life and budget and everything else. If you're not because you won't, then we'd love to have a conversation and understand your point of view. Not mad. just want to be clear. Your time. Listen, I was talking to Pastor John about this. Your serving isn't something you're just doing for the church. Your serving is an opportunity to follow Christ because he served people and he gave his life for you and I, and he calls us to follow him. And so when the church is asking you to serve, we want to help you grow in your faith. We're not just looking to fill spots. We need help, but inviting you to serve is for your growth spiritually, for you to sacrifice. Don't we work the majority of our lives to fuel comfort? Right? But Christ calls us to a narrow path. And so our service, and there's times I don't have joy in service. There's times I don't feel like going to community group. I'm tired. Been around people all day. But I need that for my growth and maturity, and I need opportunities that bring me beyond myself, and I need opportunities frequently to remind me that I am God, I'm not God, I am God's. Those are the gifts that come through that. Number seven, I covenant to have friendly Christian relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ from other churches, but I will not hold membership to other church or consistently serve, regularly attend, tithe, or function in leadership position in another church family. We've only had to deal with this a couple times, but we have to be clear on that because there's some folks who want to be parts of several churches. This is even more challenging when there's like, if we only met at night, we would have double dippers as we like to affectionately call them. It's hard to be split between one church family and another church family. If you are called to be a member here at Christ Community Church, yes, you're part of the universal church. We want you to be engaging. It's so amazing to me that, that many biblical Christians, they view their time and their money as the 10% cap rather than the floor. We want you to give to the church and give to extra um, outside the church ministries. Maybe you're giving to another church plant as well, helping them out. But ultimately, as your church family, you're serving your relationships and all that. We're covenanted here. I have friends that are Christians at many different churches. I occasionally go preach at those churches. Some of the guys I coach and encourage along the way as they're planting their church. But I'm not going to go become a member of their church. 
We've had one time where Pastor Brent was serving as an elder at a church plant we were supporting and building into. He came to the elders and said, how do you all feel about this advisory role for a season of time? We said, absolutely, because it's lonely as a lead pastor when you're planting a church. So there are times where that happens. But if this is your church home, this is your church home. Number eight, I covenant to follow the biblical procedures of church discipline and submit myself to discipline if the need should ever arise. Um, I'll eventually teach a sermon series or a sermon or two on church discipline. This isn't like the Gestapo coming and looking for you because you ate too much one day at a party. I do hope we're in community enough, like my wife and I are, when I go for my second piece of, pa- of cake, that she's like, you asked me to help you with that. You sure you want that extra piece of cake? I literally have a friend, he would go over a community group and slap the cake off a person's plate. They were that like authentic community. He'd walk over and be like, hey man, you know I love you. He's like, yeah man, fat. Or sneeze on it or do something. If the dude was just really going to be a fat kid, he ate it anyways, right? But five second rule, nom nom nom, right? Okay, well they made a choice. Church discipline, Matthew 18, 15 through 17. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him, his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. If a person refuses to repent when they're going directly opposed to Scripture, they're showing themselves to be a non-believer. And it would be harmful to continue to pursue them as one. We've had to remove one person from our fellowship in the past seven years, and it was through a long period and process, pleading and begging. They refused to speak to us about anything, and we had to publicly remove her in a church member meeting. And that was sobering for us all. It was difficult, but it was renewing and refreshing as well. We've had many of you in church discipline at various stages that no one's ever known of, but you've benefited from the grace that comes through being guided, being given rails back towards the Lord. We're looking out for each other's souls. Number nine, I covenant to submit to the authority of the scriptures as a final arbiter on all issues. We are a Bible-believing, hoping church. 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I never want the Bible to become a sword. I always want it to be a scalpel. May it do battle outside the church to defend us from wicked false prophets. May it be a scalpel to bring healing and correction and hope to those in the body. We want to be submitted to the scriptures. It's hard to be submitted to the scriptures if you're not reading them scriptures. And number 10 is this. My responsibility will be to notify the Christ Community Church leadership if at any time I can no longer commit to this covenant or if I have any questions, comments, or concerns regarding Christ Community Church. Some of you have dealt beautifully with concerns or frustrations or anger. Many people have started going to look for other covenant places, other churches, without ever letting us know what they're concerned about. You may have concerns that will not be met. We had one family who stayed around for quite some time, but they wanted a Sunday school of their peers. And we're not in a position or a place where we're going to be offering Sunday school anytime soon, our expressions in community groups. We had one guy come to me 
um, and say, man, we just grew up in a traditional church. This is a struggle for us. You know, why does everybody dress, you know, like a biker? You know, because we were a little more rough back then. I tuck in my shirt now for the most part. Um, and I've never ridden a motorcycle. But nonetheless, and he came and said with me, and I said, well, I want to have this discussion with you, and I just want to make sure your heart's in check. Let's go back to number four. How's your walk with the Lord? And he just sat down. And he, he nearly started tearing up. He's like, I haven't been. I was like, well, how are you leading your family through this process? He's like, just pragmatically, just through logic. And I said, well, will you slow down then and just study scriptures and get back in the spiritual disciplines? This is a safe place uh, for you to do so. We're not going to rush, but I want you re- being revived. Because if we're going to send you out to be a part of another body, I'd rather you go refreshed rather than soiled and mad and burned out and like a raisin. And so he stayed for a year. And he finally came back and said, man, we just want traditional music, and we want Sunday school for our kids, and we want this, 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 and this. And I was like, I get it. Okay. Let me help you find a place. And I sent him several options and things like that. I wrote their letter of transfer. We understand, look, I understand there are tons of wonderful churches in this area. And there are some good reasons to move on. It could be preferential. It could be theological. We had a family leave one time because they didn't like elder-ruled church. I asked the husband, I said, do you feel called to be an elder? He said, no. He's like, I want to have a vote. I said, well, okay, that's, that's not going to happen here. I want you, we love you, and I hope you love my family and I. As members of the church, we want to spur each other on towards love and good deeds. And we don't want to be mad at each other and not be able to reconcile, because one day in heaven, we're going to have to sit at the table. And I don't know if the Lord permits food fights. I hope you hear in my heart the spirit of this covenant is to care for those in our care and to know who we're caring for. We want to care well for the people that are committed here. And to be honest, there's times we haven't. There's times where y'all haven't. But we want to mature through that, learn from it, grow in it, and be the church. We are called together as God's people. And look, if you've been visiting here and you've been like, I I like your preaching, there's a podcast. Go find a church you can pour your life into and that you'll allow to pour into you. Don't be a consumer. If you're a Christian, don't consume. That's misidentification. You are the church. God's uniquely gifted you and wired you to love and serve and to make disciples as you go. Lean into that. We want to help you with that. We're not perfect at it, but that's the direction we're falling forward in. We exist to glorify God by making followers of Jesus Christ who are growing through conflict, through struggles, through challenge, and multiplying seeing other lives impacted and transformed by the gospel in and through us. If you're struggling, we want to know. We want to be the church. If you're thriving, we want to celebrate with you. If you're doubting, we want to sit in that doubt with you and remind you of the hope we have. If you view it as a list of rules, please rip it up. We just want to have clarity in an age where everything's confusing. Everything. We just want clarity. So we have clarity when conflict comes, when struggles come, to say here's what we've agreed to each other because of what God has done in his agreement to us in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word that you've given to us. Lord, I admit as I went back through this covenant that I've dropped the ball at times. 
in a lot of these areas. Um, Lord, I thank you for your patience and your long-suffering and your kindness to us. Lord, I know that for some people here today who are members, conviction has hit. I pray that you would bring the healing balm of your grace. Your word says if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I pray for those who are struggling, who don't yet have a church home, who want to understand more what that means. Lord, you would call them to that. I pray for those who are here today wrestling with whether or not they're a believer in Christ. God, that you would show Jesus to him or her and they would be saved and forgiven and adopted in as your son or daughter. And Father, for those of us just who are weary and tired, let us lean into the body of Christ and be encouraged. I thank you, Lord, for the testimonies of many of the people in this congregation who at specific moments that you know, Lord, in my journey where I wanted to be done at the right time, Lord, you brought a reminder of why we're here because of you and your work in us and through us, as imperfect as we are. Help us grow together, help us mature so that when other people add to our numbers by being saved from sin and death to life and eternity and grace, they will have a healthy family that's growing healthier by day to become a part of. That's our hope and prayer. We pray in Jesus' name.